So great to see you all this morning and welcome to the house of the Lord on this Feast of Tabernacles. And today is actually the first day of the feast actually begins today. And so we are celebrating it as a church and I'll explain to you why in a little bit. And um, we'll just get into some stuff in just a moment. Before I do that, I just want to let you know from next week, we'll be putting some advertising material out. There is an event in November called Miracle on the Water that is taking place in Fort Pierce on Seaway Drive. And we're very excited about it. The churches are coming together all the way from Martin County, all the way north into Sebastian. And I believe it's go far beyond that. And um, it's amazing how God has just kind of put this thing together in a way that is just pretty unique. So we're excited. And I think there's an incredible anticipation from many people about what God is doing right now. And in fact, this week I received a, a, um, a message that someone had posted of a prophetic voice that's very reputable that shared how he had a vision that God was about to do something on the east coast of Florida. And so we are excited, and maybe you don't get excited, but let me tell you, for seven years, we have been praying, we have been interceding, we have been trusting and contending to God for a move of His Spirit in this county, in this region. And let me tell you, if I just get a glimpse, if I just see... If I just see a cloud the size of a man's fist, I'm going to get excited. I'm going to begin to give praise and, 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 and give thanks to Him because I believe God is wanting to do something great on the earth. Amen. 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 Also, so just look out for that. Make sure you clear your calendar for as much of that week as possible because there'll be events going on every day, 10 and 2 and at 7 p.m., every night from the Sunday night all the way through to the Friday night. And again, I think it's going to be extremely powerful. I've never been in a room with so many pastors and everybody's getting along. It's really wonderful. Amen. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> That's a really wonderful thing because I think everybody can sense that God is up to something. And so it's really very, very exciting. Um, so please make sure that you save your calendar for that. Also, next week, Sunday, I'll be preaching the second part of our series on praise and worship, the truth about praise and worship. We are continuing next week with praise. Yes, there is more to be said about praise. I'm very excited about that because I believe God is preparing and cultivating this church for what He has planned for us. I have no question or no doubt in my mind that we will be a part of God's end time move. There's just no, no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. At least I will be there. You know, most of you will be there with us. Amen. It's going to be great. So um, just excited about that. Last night, I shared with you, um, basically last week, I, I, I shared with you how last night I would pray for everybody that came out. And so we had an anointing service last night, and we prayed a blessing over every person and every family. And, um, you know, it was really powerful. I want to just let everyone know that wasn't here, that we pray that same blessing over you. And that same blessing that the Lord bless you, keep you, 
make His face shine upon you, lift up His countenance on you, that He be gracious to you, and that He give you peace. That's our prayer. We pray that over every one of you. And last night I shared briefly what that actually means, and it's extremely powerful because there's a lot more to it than when we just say the Lord keep you. There's a lot more to that. And so you need to know what the Scriptures mean and how powerful they truly are. The, the, the Old Testament was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew, which is an extremely powerful language with a lot of deep meaning. And Greek, the New Testament, which is, which is even more deep in some ways, just both very powerful. So it's important that we understand what the biblical text really means to get the fullness of what God is trying to tell us. It's amazing over the last few years how through, through technology and, 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 and uh, resources, we are able to get information that we were not able to get before. All that stuff has always been in the biblical text, but many of us have not been able to get that information through different dictionaries and research that has been done by many, many, many great scholars over the years. And so I'm very grateful that that information is available to us the way that it is today. Are you guys all okay this morning? Amen. So many people don't really understand why it is that we celebrate the feasts of the Lord. And um, the truth is that I really believe with all of my heart that it is extremely important for us to acknowledge, at the very least, the feasts of the Lord. And let me explain to you why I say that this morning. Let's go to Leviticus 23, verse number 2. Leviticus 23, verse number 2. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. This is the Lord speaking. And he says, listen, I want you to tell the children of Israel that the feasts of the Lord that I'm proclaiming to be a holy time, a set apart time, these feasts are mine, says God. Now, before I get into that, in our culture, we celebrate set times. The word feast in Hebrew is the word moedim, and it actually means a set time. So really the feasts are set times that God himself has implemented. So in our culture, we have set times too. We have Independence Day. We have Memorial Day. We have days where we remember certain things. And a lot of us have these awesome barbecues and we get our families and friends together and we remember and we give thanks. You know, on Thanksgiving we do that and we have different things that we celebrate every year. Even your own personal birthday is a set time. It was a time that you were born and the people that love you hopefully celebrate you on that time. If they don't, come and talk to me. <laughs> Those are set times. And the world, our culture has done that. And many of us embrace those things. I mean, you know, you go to Publix around any one of those holidays and there's cupcakes and there's balloons and there's all this stuff to celebrate these set times that the world has set up. I want you to clearly look at what Scripture says at the end of that verse. These are my feasts. These are my set times. These are times that God has set up, and there's a reason for it. 
He's not trying to cause us to go into any kind of ritualistic thing or do things that necessarily was done by the children of Israel. But he does want us to recognize why he has established these times. Are you with me? It's very interesting because in our culture, we celebrate all kinds of things. We'll get to that a little bit later. You're not ready for that yet. Just give me a few more minutes. We'll get there. We focus primarily as a congregation on three feasts because these three feasts are particularly highlighted in Scripture. Not that the other feasts are not important, but they most certainly all point to Jesus in a very powerful way. Deuteronomy 16, 16 says it like this. Three times a year your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which He chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the Feast of Passover, at the Feast of Weeks, that's the Feast of Pentecost, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. What you'll find out about the Feasts of God is that really what God is wanting to do is get you to remember and recognize what He's done. Because the truth is, once you recognize the God that you serve and what He has done, you will begin to understand that He is well able to do it again. And one of the things He wants to do during feast times is He wants to bless His people. So there are set times for us to meet with God. These are established times by Him. And when he does this, it's not only for us to remember him, but he also wants to bless us. That's why in the scripture he says, don't come before me empty-handed during those times because I want you to sow something so I can bless you. That's what he said to the children of Israel at that time. Are you with me? So these are, are times of the year that God has set aside for us to remember. And we're gonna, what I'm going to do this morning is kind of break that down for you and just give you a sh very small summary of what those three feasts represent. We'll talk about one of the other feasts that we've just gone through as well, just for the sake of understanding it and kind of why we don't overemphasize it as a New Testament church. Now, I need to say this. What you must understand right from the very beginning is that God is not finished with Israel. Let me just go over here. God is not finished with Israel. God, that's right, amen. God has a plan, has always had a plan for Israel. But Israel is not only His children. In fact, in Scripture, the Bible calls Israel the firstborn of God. His firstborn, which tells us if there is a firstborn, which is a nation, there will be a secondborn. And I want you to know that the church, I believe, is His secondborn. So we are also sharing in an inheritance, but God has a specific plan for His secondborn, which is us. But He has not written off His firstborn. He still loves them and has a plan all the way to the end for them. And you need to know that. Amen. Thank you for your overwhelming excitement. That's wonderful. What's very sad is that because we don't research and grasp some of the biblical concepts that were given and come through the children of Israel, as the church, we miss out on the symbolisms and the things that God wants to give us and bless us with because we don't have the knowledge or we think that it's irrelevant to us. Many people write the Old Testament off almost completely and they just say that that's the law. Well, that's foolish. That's really foolish. 
the Old Testament is so rich and it's God's Word and it's still so powerful. Amen. Yes, we are not under the law, but we embrace God's truths from everything, including the law. Amen. We are not made righteous by the law. We are made righteous through Christ. There's a big difference, but that doesn't mean that we're going to just go and kill people today because we're not under the law. I'm so glad we can all agree on that. Amen. Okay. <laughs> now, let's start with the feast of Passover. This is a very powerful spring feast. And what this represents is this represents where the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt. And Moses was told by God that he must tell the children of Israel to paint the doorposts and the lintel with the blood of a lamb, which when the angel of death would come by their homes, would not kill the firstborn that that blood was on. And so the angel passed over those homes and God protected them because of the blood. So, so and, and also then what happened was after this event, we know that God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt and they went into the wilderness. Passover to the Jewish nation, to the children of Israel, is where they celebrate and remember God's deliverance from Egypt and the protection that was given to them by the blood of that lamb. Are you with me? That God provided a sacrifice and God provided protection for them. That's what they celebrate. In the church, we celebrate Passover as well. But we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also, during that time, celebrate the Last Supper where Jesus met with His disciples and ate with them and explained to them what the blood and the body represented. So Passover in the church is a little bit different to Passover Passover uh, in, in, in the, um, in, for the children of Israel, for the Jewish nation, but it's still extremely powerful. Now you see, you might say, well, you know, then it doesn't really represent us. Well, there, you, there you're wrong. Because you see, what the children of Israel understand is that when God delivers you out of bondage, He not only delivers you, but He also blesses you. So when Jesus saves you because of the blood that is now sealed you and washed you and cleansed you, with that also comes deliverance. With that also comes healing. With that also comes abundance. Where the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they walked into all of that. God's supernatural provision, God's abundance, God took care of them. And blessed them. You know, when they left Egypt, the Bible tells us they left with the spoils of Egypt. These are things that we need to know. God brought deliverance to them. Our Passover also brings us deliverance. Jesus is our Passover lamb. So we celebrate it. We celebrate His death. We celebrate His resurrection. That we are now also covenant children of God. Amen. And I mean, I could spend a whole lot of time just explaining to you the different things that they do, but we don't need to necessarily focus on that. What we're focusing on is that every time that you, and we kind of do that in a way, we celebrate Easter, which is really that week. But that's not the only time that God has said, I want you to celebrate this. There are other things that He's also said that we should do. Amen, Pastor Alex, amen. <laughs> What's very sad is many Christians stop at that place. They get saved and that's enough for them. But you see, Jesus and the Bible clearly instructs us also where God says Himself, listen, 
Three times a year, I want you to come together. Three, there are three set times that we need to pay attention to. The next one is the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. Now, most of you sitting here do have an idea what Pentecost represents. To the church, Pentecost represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit was received by the disciples in the upper room. But what we don't recognize necessarily is that it was 50 days, pente means 50 in Greek, it was 50 days after the children of Israel's deliverance from Egypt that they were, they say it was around 50 days that they were at Mount Sinai where God was speaking with Moses and giving the law to the children of Israel. There's so much in this. Because first of all, you must realize that the mountain of Sinai is shaking and there's thundering and there's lightning and the people can hear the voice of God. And Moses comes down and says, you know, God wants to meet with all of us. And the children of Israel say, Moses, you go and speak to God. Isn't it sad that in the church today, it's still the same? Now, Pentecost is a little bit too much for me. A little bit strange, you know. You know, that supernatural stuff, don't really want to touch that. Whereas God's intent for man was always to be with him, to always have relationship. That's why he called the children of Israel to be a holy nation, separated unto him, his people that he loved so much and still does, by the way. And so Pentecost represents this. The church has the privilege of experiencing the outpouring of the Spirit, the fullness of Pentecost. We experience it and celebrate it. For those of you that have been with us long enough, you know Pentecost here is a very powerful time. When we remember the outpouring of the Spirit, and guess what? He is still pouring out His Spirit right now. You know, Joel prophesied that in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit, says the Lord. We are in those last days. He is pouring out His Spirit right now. Or else the Bible is lying. And we know that's not the case. Can you all say amen? Amen. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea about Pentecost. Now, right now in our biblical calendar or our Jewish calendar, we have just experienced what we call the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. Now, we don't necessarily celebrate this too much, but it's good to know the significance of it. The, the Jewish people call the Feast of Trumpets Rosh Hashanah. And basically, it's on the first day of the seventh month. And what happens at Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, is that they, for 10 days, spend a, a, a period of time, this 10 days, where they basically are where they're basically uh, repenting and coming before God and acknowledging sort of the way their life went in this, this last year. And it leads up to the Day of Atonement, which is Yom Kippur, which has just recently gone past. And we all know what that means. Now, what they would do back then is the high priest would, on the Day of Atonement, after they've spent this time in penitence and repentance and you know, coming before the Lord, the priest on the, seventh, on, on, the, on the seventh day would go in, he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the blood of a lamb onto the mercy seat seven times. 
And after he had sprinkled that, he would come out and the people's sins will have been forgiven. You see, we don't necessarily celebrate that because our grace and mercy and, and, and uh, Passover lamb comes from Passover. Are you with me? But they don't believe the Messiah has yet come, so they still celebrate that and believe that, that that's the tradition. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So that's the feast of trumpets. And as I said, we don't really do that. Now, what they did was they would celebrate this feast of trumpets, sort of a time of repentance. The day of atonement would come and that prepared them for what we are now celebrating, which is the feast of tabernacles. So they would spend this time of impenitence, repentance. The day of atonement comes, they're forgiven. And now the feast of tabernacles comes and it's a time of celebration. It's a time of rejoicing. And what this represents to them was a time of being with God and separating themselves with Him. And let me read to you real quick from Leviticus 23, verse 24. The Feast of Tabernacles. Speak to the children of Israel, saying the 15th day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. And so the children of Israel would celebrate for seven days. Basically, they're coming out of Egypt, but what they really celebrated was their provision and the fact that they lived in temporary dwellings while they were in the wilderness. So they would set up these little booths and live in these little booths and celebrate for seven days what God had done. Now that might sound insignificant to you, but you must understand that during their time in the wilderness, the children of Israel were provided for supernaturally. You see, that's what we don't grasp, is that we tend to lean on our own understanding and our own abilities. But what they do is they take their families and they say, right, we're gonna build this booth and remember what God has done. Now, we don't have to build a booth. We don't have to do that. But what we can do is remember what He has done, what He is doing now, and is able to do. Are you with me? So they would build this little booth and, and it would be outside because that's where they were. They were outside. And what would happen was they would remember the fact that God provided for them with manna, that He gave them, he gave them the ravens for meat, that God provided supernaturally by, by striking a rock and water came out of the rock. But there was also protection. You must understand in the wilderness was a dangerous place. God's protection was with them. And most importantly, the glory of God, the presence of God was leading them in the wilderness. You see, they established the tabernacle. You know that. The tabernacle of meeting, the place where God's presence was held in the tabernacle. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. But the children of Israel were led by the presence of God. And they would celebrate this. You see, the Bible says in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, they would celebrate the presence being on the tabernacle. But in the New Testament, we celebrate the glory of God, the presence of God being provided through Jesus Christ. And everything we need, everything we need in financially, everything we need for our, our physical selves, everything we need for our destiny and future, we find in Jesus. So it points to Him. Do you see that? Look at what this says. 
John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. I love this. We looked upon His glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, in the wilderness, the children of Israel had the tabernacle of meeting. They had the presence of God on the mercy seat and above that tabernacle every day. And I'll read that scripture to you in just a moment. But then Jesus came and the Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelled among us or tabernacled among us. So Jesus came so that we could all encounter His presence, so that we could all walk with Him. Remember, when Jesus was here on the earth. Everywhere He went, people were, were set free. People were encountered. People were changed. That's what the presence of God does. The Feast of Tabernacle teaches us that where the presence of God is, there is provision. There is prosperity. There are blessings. Come on, somebody. Amen. You see, the children of Israel understood the value of having the presence of God lead them, recognizing His goodness, His protection. They recognized it, especially the leaders. Moses understood this better than anybody. The Lord said to him, watch this, Exodus 33 verse 13, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I, might, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, this is God, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is so powerful. You see, let me explain something to you. Many Christians struggle in their walk. They struggle with sin and feeling like they live a yo-yo Christian walk, up and down. Come on, there are many people that experience that. But what God is saying to Moses is, listen, you don't have to struggle because I'm going to give you my presence. My presence will go with you. And when you understand that the presence of God is leading and guiding you, what happens is you will enter into a time of rest. One of the biggest struggles for Christians today is that they do not have a hunger or a desire for the presence of God. And when you begin to grasp the power of the presence of God, you will enter into a season of rest. You don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to struggle. Why? Because your focus shifts from all your faults and you begin to realize that it's only by grace and your desire shifts to wanting to be in His presence, wanting and desiring Him. And He's so clear in Scripture that if you seek Him, you will find Him. That's why the children of Israel would build the booths after their time of repentance and spending time with, you know, of, of, of atoning and all of that. They would build their booths and spend time with their family, a time of rest, a time of celebrating, a time of remembering, going outside and remembering that, that there was a pillar of fire in the night and a cloud of smoke in the day that went with them everywhere in the wilderness. They remembered it and they celebrated it. But we in the New Testament church have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. But listen, listen, 
God's presence is omnipresent. Where can I go from your presence, Lord? There is nowhere you can go. But He does not manifest His presence everywhere. He only manifests His presence by those who have a passion for Him. He only manifests His presence for those who desire to please Him. Let me tell you something, don't buy it. If you want to walk in His presence, if you want to be a carrier of the presence of God, you must live passionately, zealously, with a desire to walk and to please Him and to serve Him and to love Him. That's why Moses said, Moses said, Lord, if Your presence does not go with us, we are not going, God. I'm not going. You can send them on their own. I'm not going without your presence. Why? Because Moses had come to a point where he recognized the only thing that would bring rest and peace and rescue to the people was the presence of God. That's why tabernacles is something we will celebrate even in the millennial reign. When we come back, to this earth and spend a thousand years on this earth, the Bible says that we will still go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles because even then we will recognize that it's His presence that provides for us, that it's His presence that restores us, that it's His presence that has saved us. Amen. Now, I could go on for this for very long, but we'll stop there. There was other things that took place during this time that I want to share with you real quick. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things in His first coming, but also in His second. One of the other things that they would do at the time of the feast, and the book of John really, really basically just walks us out for you. But shortly after the feast, Jesus makes a statement because of one of the ceremonies that they would they would do during the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple period. One of the ceremonies that they would do was called the light ceremony. And what this was, was they would take these big, these four very, very big lights, lanterns, and they would light them up. They had four bowls and there were four of them. And they actually did it in all the courts so that the entire city would be lit up. And this represented God's provision and also His direction, His leading and His light to His people. Just shortly after the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus makes this statement in John 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You must understand that we in this dispensation have Jesus as our light. He is the one who lights our path. He is the one who lights our destiny and our future. He's the one, listen, I cannot tell you how many times I have looked at somebody that is in all kinds of bondage. And once they are touched by the presence of God, their faces light up. They are never the same again. And there are people sitting in this room, you've experienced that for yourself or you have seen that for yourself. But there is no doubt that He brings light to our lives. So much so that He said before He left, He said, listen, you 
are the light of the world. Because what happens is He comes and dwells inside us. His presence, His Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us, begins to transform us. We begin to change and we begin to radiate His light. So tabernacles was a time of light. We also celebrate His light and remember that He's the light of the world that has given each and every one of us light. The next one is one of my favorites. You see, what would happen was during the Feast of Tabernacles is that the the priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam. And this is obviously in the temple era. And he would go down to the Pool of Siloam with a golden pitcher and pick up the water, which was actually considered to be living water because people would get healed there. And he would pick up this water from the Pool of Siloam and he took the water to to uh, to the altar and in the tabernacle and walked around the altar one time for six days, he would do this. And then he would go up to the top of the altar and pour the water onto the altar. He did this for six days. And on the seventh day, he would do the same thing. Only on the seventh day, he would walk around the altar seven times. And then he would go up and pour the water on the altar. And what this was for was so that God would continue to provide so that God would send rain, water, because you must understand that in that time, without rain, the people would have nothing. They would be destroyed. They would have no crops. There would be no harvest. They would be in trouble. So this was a way to give thanks for the provision so far, but also to ask the Lord to bless the people and send the rain, send provision for the next year. What's so amazing in Scripture is Jesus does the most incredible thing. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, this is what he does. Watch this now. Are you all okay this morning? John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast. By the way, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is called the great day of the feast. So it was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus stood up and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, but Jesus was not, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is so powerful, guys. You see, they were waiting and trusting God by doing the ceremony that they would be provided for, that water would come, refreshing would come, healing would come, deliverance would come, everything they needed would come in that new season. Jesus gets up on that last day of the feast, knowing that every Everything is temporal, but in Him, you can find fulfillment. In Him, you can find rivers of living water. But it's so powerful because Jesus gives us a picture of what is to come, where He talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the part of God that is here right now. You need to know Him. You need to know that He's with you, that He leads you and teaches you and guides you, that He's inside you, and He wants to show you everything that you need. There is nothing that you need outside of the Holy Spirit. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. You will find everything you need in him. His spirit, his provision comes from his spirit that you have because of what Jesus did. Amen. 
Man, I mean, the first service was so excited at this point. You guys, come on now. You must understand that all feasts are so important, but the Feast of Tabernacles represents a fulfillment, represents that final point where we actually get to that place where we want to walk with God and celebrate His presence. Listen, what's amazing is if you look at it, basically, Passover is like where we begin our faith. Passover is the place where we give our lives to Jesus, celebrate the death and resurrection, Passover. Then it's Pentecost where the church gets empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's so sad for me that so much of the church neglects Pentecost, neglects the outpouring of the Spirit, neglects the empowerment of the Spirit. How can we? It's so clear from Scripture that it's part of what we're supposed to experience. But I can assure you, it'll be very difficult for you not to experience Pentecost and go to Tabernacles. Tabernacles represents the glory of God, the presence of God, the fulfillment of God in your life, the place that you will find peace, the place that you'll experience His light, the place that you'll experience His power in your life. Tabernacles is the fulfillment of everything that God wants to do in you and through you. Hallelujah. I'm so glad half of you are excited. Well, you know, I still don't think I need to celebrate tabernacles, but you celebrate Halloween. Preach, Pastor, preach. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> now, hang on, I want to say something because it's very important. You see, a lot of Christians don't know where Halloween comes from. Today, I taught you where the feasts come from, where they originated from and whose idea it was to implement them. When you go to Publix, there's no balloons for the feasts. There's no cupcakes for the feasts. But if you go to Publix on Halloween, brother. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty because most people in our nation specifically don't understand the truth of it because we see the innocent fun side of it. But when you go and do your homework and find out where it originates, that's a very, very dark holiday. And was definitely not established in anything godly. So I recommend, <laughs> there is a sermon that I preached. I don't want to do it again. I preached a sermon a few years ago called Trick or Truth. And you can go listen to it on our YouTube channel. It's available. We put it up there so that everybody can hear it. I want to make sure I'm clear on this. This is not to make you feel bad. Because I've seen how people hear the message and then they feel guilty. That's not the point. The point is now you've been empowered, now you make a choice. Now you make a decision. But why is it that we so easily do things like that, but yet when it comes to things that God has implemented with the purpose really to bless you? Do we go, yeah, it's not for me. Now, I want to say this too. I'm not saying this so that now every year you must go and build a booth. I'm telling you this because these are times that God has established where He wants you to recognize. Stop for a moment. Maybe you can't take seven days off, but take a break today and just go outside and say, God, I'm so thankful for your presence. I'm so thankful that you delivered the children of Israel, but God, I'm even more thankful that you delivered me. Amen. Amen. 
Church, there is so much to teach on this subject, to talk about 50 years, what it represents. Do you know that during this time, people would write off debts? Debt cancellation would take place. This is not something that man made up. This is in the Bible. If we are faithful to God, if we come to Him with our whole hearts, He's able to do anything. Never underestimate what He is able to do. And these times, listen, I have seen over the years during the feasts, God meet with people in an incredible way. Just come to Him with your heart during this feast time and say, Lord, during this feast, I choose to pursue Your presence more than anything. I have nothing else to give. That's all I have. To, I can tell you that's good enough for Him. Really, that's all He wants is your heart anyway. That's why the Bible overemphasizes with David, a man after God's own heart. So powerful. And during these times of the year, Pentecost, Passover, and Tabernacles, we remember His goodness, what He did, and how He is continuing to move the same way in our own lives. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful to God. Can I ask you this morning, church, thank you. Let's all stand for just a moment, if you can. I'm not going to drag this out in any way. But can we as a congregation, just for a minute, even less than a minute, just 30 seconds, right there where you are, recognize the goodness of God in your life. Give thanks to Him for the deliverance that He's already given you, that you're not where you used to be, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that you serve Him and that you love Him and that He's delivered you. And for those of you that know His presence, how fortunate you are to have experienced the awesome presence of God. This morning, I pray. Let's all pray together. Father, we pray. Just pray right there. You don't have to pray after me. Just whatever you want to say to Him. Lord, we acknowledge You. We love You. We thank You this morning for Your presence. We thank You, Lord, for Your mercy, for Your grace, for Your deliverance. God, let us never be a people that, that become familiar or take for granted how fortunate we are that the veil has been torn, that we have access, Lord. What men of old only wished for, we have been given as a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I ask that You would open our eyes, like Paul said, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, Lord, so that we can know You even more and more every day that we can draw closer and closer to You, Father. Lord, during this feast time, we want to say thank You, God. Thank You for Your blessings. Thank You for Your protection. Thank You for Your provision. Thank You for deliverance. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for putting up with us. Oh God, this morning we give praise and thanks to Your Name because Your Name is greater than any other name. You are our God and we exalt You and magnify You. Now let's give the Lord a big shout in this place. Let's give Him some praise in this place. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. We give You thanks, Father. And Lord, as I prayed last night over everyone in the building, Lord, I pray that same blessing over every family, over every 
child and, 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 and young person and old person, Lord, that You would bless them. Father, let that blessing follow them this year as we enter into a new year with You. Lord, we thank You. We love You. We honour You, God. We are grateful to You, God. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this place this morning. Go in His grace and His mercy because He alone is great and greatly to be praised. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Have a wonderful week in the name of Jesus and we'll see you next week.